welcome to the We Talk Health podcast, the official podcast for West Tennessee Healthcare. Please be advised that this podcast is not intended to replace any medical advice. Always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing said in this podcast is intended to supersede or supplement the direction of your medical caretakers. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer any questions you may have. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Health. My name is Will Cashagro, and joining me in the studio today is Dr. Cameron Michael. He is a neurologist at West Tennessee Neuro, uh, a new neurologist at West Tennessee Neuro. So we're certainly glad to have him in the area. And uh, Dr. Michael, welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about migraines today. Uh, I said off mic that I've been fortunate enough to never have one, or if I have, I didn't realize it. I just thought it was a bad headache. So I know there are tons of people out there who suffer from these daily, and there are tons of people who haven't. So we're just going to talk about them, what kind of causes them, uh, ways maybe to to fix them or get rid of them. And uh, before we do that, I want to get to know you a little bit more. So tell me about yourself. Where are you from? Uh, Maybe where you did your schooling? what you like to do when you're not at work. Sounds good. Um, So did my medical school out in East Tennessee at Lincoln Memorial University uh, as a DO school out there out in the mountains. And uh, then I did my uh, residency down in Birmingham at UAB Hospital. Nice. So did a four-year residency there and uh, now I'll be starting West Tennessee Neuro next week, actually. Awesome. That's fantastic. So what do you like to do when you're not working? Well, uh, my family and I really love hanging out with animals. We have four dogs, a cat, amazing, some ducks, planning on getting some farm animals. So we live down in South Jackson where there's a lot of farmland. So. No, I was going to say you have a zoo, basically. That's <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Going to partner with the Alamo Safari Park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've already been there. Nice. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, so like I said, we're going to talk about migraines. Uh, so let's just kind of dive into it. Can you give me just a definition of what a migraine is? Sure. So the classical definition of a migraine is uh, it's basically a unilateral meaning one side or the other like right or left on your head Mm -hmm. pain that is pounding in nature um, that can last anywhere from four hours to 72 hours good lord Um, yeah and they can cause a lot of uh, other symptoms and there's some distinction of like the different types of migraines and things but by and large it's a it's a pretty profound headache that can really knock you out Mm -hmm. Um, and people can have uh, sensitivities to light sound and even become nauseous and throw up during these attacks Jeez, is there like one specific thing or i guess a multiple that cause migraines so the science behind migraines is it's really complex firstly and we still don't really exactly know what's going on but looking at a broad picture of what causes a a migraine in particular it starts with some kind of trigger or something that starts a cascade of effects and then from that trigger you can have what's called cortical spreading depression which is a fancy you know scientific term but basically what that means is there's a wave of discharges that occurs in the cortex of your brain, which is kind of the outside part of the brain, that works its way forward from the back and down into the brain stem, mm-hmm. where you get some activation of the pain uh, receptors, basically, that cause the pain sensation that you get from migraine. Gotcha. So it's a lot of molecular types of you know science going on, but at the end of the day, it seems to be that the molecules involved cause inflammation, pain, 
and the vessels to become engorged on the lining of your brain. And that's what's traditionally thought, at least in the last few years, as mm-hmm. to what's causing the migraine. Gotcha. So what are there different types? And if so, what are, yes. what are they called? So there are different types of migraines in particular. So there's migraines that have an aura, which is some kind of a preceding symptom, something that gives you a warning of the actual attack that's to come. So mm-hmm. a lot of people describe a, what's called a visual aura. And basically that's a... Um, an artifact in your vision that you can kind of see and just it looks weird there's yeah. it's really hard to describe but it's almost like you're looking through a prism and just one part of your vision interesting yeah so some people get those and those actually can be helpful in treating them because you have a warning sign to right. be able to treat them sure there are those migraines that are without aura and that's actually the most common kind so i'll have patients that uh, will have some kind of trigger that sends them down into the migraine pathology but they don't even know that it's coming, kind of mm-hmm. hit them out of you know left field. And then um, you have different types of migraines that have, you know, like a brainstem aura or hemiplegic migraines, things like that. But that, you know, there's there's a lot of different kinds of headaches. And gotcha, yeah. We're just kind of scraping the surface with just migraine alone. And that's actually a really important part of, you know, going to see a neurologist to get that exact definition or mm-hmm. exact diagno- diagnosis um, so that you can treat it correctly. Yeah, I'll be honest. I've heard like several of my friends have had migraines and they've said their aura is insert right. the insert, mm-hmm. whatever they said. I didn't know what they meant by aura or however you say mm-hmm. it. And I was like, that sounds a little hippie ish, <laughs> like kind of kind of thing. But obviously I'm, I'm learning here today. So yeah. I, I didn't know that it could affect your vision. Yeah, like, and, like it could. And some people describe other, you know, other things that give them a warning, like maybe they have ex- excess fatigue or something like that. Maybe that's mm-hmm. their warning sign. But usually, you know, that's something you kind of figure out in clinic. And then each person has kind of an individualized, you know, story right. with how their head pain sure. progresses. Lately, I know other people have been dealing with this, but my allergies have been murdering me. Mm-hmm. Is that, is our allergies something that could cause? Absolutely. Uh, so actually, you know, identifying your triggers is a really important part of uh, treating migraines mm-hmm. because if you can avoid triggers, it, you know, obviously it will... Uh, it'll help you avoid having migraines. Sure. Allergies is, uh, you know, that's a big one. Sleep deprivation, mm-hmm. too much sleep, too little sleep, dehydration, you know, things like that. Those are all lack of exercise. All that kind of stuff can play into becoming a trigger. Smells, yeah. sounds, light, you know, all that. those wow. kinds of things can be triggers. I didn't realize all of those things <laughs> yeah. could potentially be triggers. Wow. There's a lot. What patient population typically gets migraines? So... Migraines tend to affect, well, usually younger patients uh, will be the patients that present with migraines, younger meaning in the 30s to 39. Uh, but I've had patients on both sides, you know, pediatric to, you know, geriatric mm-hmm. that come in with first time migraines. And so your typical migraine patient is going to be a younger female, but that does not mean that males don't get them. I sure. myself suffer from migraines. So, and they tend to run in families. So if you've had a you know, if your mom or grandparents have had migraines, you may have mm-hmm. a higher risk of having them. There's no clear genetic uh, factor uh, that has been identified at this time, but there's probably multiple genes that are involved in you know, sure. s- or, you know, keeping this within the family. But yeah, uh, yeah, uh, up to 15% of the general population has migraines. And so, you know, you may be suffering from migraines and not even realize it, kind of like you were saying. And you know, that's, that's a good reason. You just bring that up with your primary care doctor. If mm-hmm. you think you're having migraines, there's no harm in just asking yeah, about them. Yeah, of course. So that kind of goes for other facets of healthcare as well. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so what is the prognosis for a migraine? 
So prognosis is, is tough with migraines. And I think it's probably explained by the lack of a, a certain identifiable you know, risk factor for them. But really, at the end of the day, it's a person-to-person story. Mm-hmm. So I would say most of my migraine patients kind of stay stable, but a lot of people end up having worsening or progression of their symptoms. And I have just as many people who have regression of their symptoms and actually things are improving. Mm-hmm. So there's no you know, clear, unfortunately, there's no clear answer to that. But I think that's even more important to follow along with a neurologist to be able to kind of track you along and sure help you along that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So are there certain ways to uh, get rid of migraines, like maybe quickly or... Uh, is there more of like a strategy behind how to get rid of them? So um, in my practice, I, I do have a strategy. There's basically two ways to treat them. Well, it's actually one way to treat them, but two different ways to approach that. Okay. So we have what are called abortive agents. So those are medications that you would take on the onset of a migraine. So if you know your trigger um, and you feel one coming on, you want to take this medicine right away so that you can try to stop the progression of, mm-hmm. of the migraine. Actually, studies have shown that the sooner that you get uh, the medication in you, the the more effectively it's actually going to work in treating the migraine. And that's based on a lot of those molecular uh, pathways and, and whatnot. But mm-hmm. uh, so an abortive agent, uh, one that you may have heard of, maybe, uh, maybe is Imitrex. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So that is a serotonin-based uh, medication that okay. helps to modulate some of those pain receptors in, in the uh, in the brainstem. And it also kind of clamps down on some of the vessels. So there's a lot of different mechanisms to that, but mm-hmm. overall it does the same thing, and it, it reduces some of those molecules that, that mediate pain in, in the migraine itself. Then okay. the second uh, strategy is a what we call a prophylactic agent, and that is something that you would take every single day in order to help prevent the attacks period. Mm-hmm. And so the, the idea being you reduce the frequency and the intensity of those attacks with this medication. One that I commonly use and, and, and patients typically will come to my clinic uh, with already having tried is Elevil or amitriptyline. I've heard of amitriptyline. Okay. So that's a really good medication. It's It was originally utilized as an antidepressant. However, we found that it has really good pain-blocking properties as well. So it's really good in patients who have not only migraines, but, you know, other pain as well, just back pain and, you know, whatnot. But those two strategies in conjunction really seem to help a lot, um, a lot of migraine sufferers. And then lastly, and most importantly, I think, is the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of what we were talking about with the triggers is finding your triggers, uh, but also doing the things that can set you up for success. So getting yeah. enough sleep, you know, making sure you're drinking enough water, and uh, keeping a migraine diary so that you know, like, oh, you know what? I ate that chocolate, you know, this afternoon and it caused this, you know, mm-hmm. and it's always after I eat chocolate, I get a migraine. Yeah. So that, that really helps at the end of the day. Just knowing your body. That's right. That's cool. Uh, so you may have said the term, but uh, if you had, I'd didn't realize what it was. So what is neuromodulation? Okay. So, um, so these are getting into kind of the the treatments, the different uh, options that are available. So the ones that I had mentioned are, those are pretty standard uh, around a lot, you know, primary care physicians really feel pretty comfortable prescribing those kind of medications. But when you get into like the neuromodulation and the CGRP and all these, you know, Mm -hmm. fancy terms, 
that's a little bit more specialty work. So neuromodulation, um, I'll, you've probably heard of it, like in a TENS unit, have you heard I think I've heard, yeah, I think yeah. so. So, I'll, so people with uh, musculoskeletal pain use TENS units, which is basically electromagnetic pulses that, yeah. that kind of stimulate the muscles, mm-hmm. and, and it helps to reduce pain. And we've actually found that we can do the same thing with in the migraine circuit. So one of the ones, there's a, a lot of different options, and it would take probably an hour to go through all of them. Sure. But, um, one in particular that I really like and I personally use is called a cephaly. Mm-hmm. And that is a little device you put on your forehead, and it uses magnets and electricity basically to stimulate the, the same um, brainstem receptors to help to kind of reset the migraine. Oh. So, yeah, it's, it's, That's kind of cool. It's, yeah, it's really sci-fi, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's pretty cool, and it really does work. We've seen that a lot of patients have reduction in pain, and you can actually um, have a prophylactic effect on this. So you can use it every single day to help reduce okay. the number of migraines you get. So Interesting. So you said it goes on the forehead. Is it like a, yes. like a headband kind of situation? Yeah, it's like a little sticker that goes on the forehead. Uh, and you just press it and press it one time, and then it'll start the pulsing electric uh, shocks. Now, that is something that is somewhat of a uh, a, a bottleneck for people because, yeah. you know, everyone has their own pain tolerance, so it sure. is, it's not super comfortable. Uh, so some people can't really tolerate it, but it is a really good option that's not a medicine. People, I know Botox is kind of a big thing, right? Yeah. It's been a bigger thing lately, and I'm sure it's going to continue that trend. But people get injections all over their face and their forehead. Could that have any kind of play, or does that play yes. into people having migraines? There is. There's actually an FDA approval for uh, Botox in the uh, prevention of migraines. So this would okay. be under that bucket of prophylactic agents. Mm-hmm. And so this involves quite a few injections. So there's 31 total injections around the head and Jeez. back and neck. <laughs> okay. So again, you know, people, you know, if you have an aversion to needles, it may not, you know, may not be the first choice. Yeah, sure. Um, but it is a great option. It's the Botox itself has been shown to be able to block some of the, the pain pathways from the scalp, essentially mm-hmm. back into the, the brainstem don't exactly know 100% how the science works behind it, sure. but it works is ultimately the answer there. Yeah, And I've seen really good success if, if patients are really on time with their injections. So you have to get it once every three months. Okay, And it's really important to stick on that schedule because after two or three injections, you'll, you should start to notice the maximal benefit uh, from both a reduction in, in total uh, migraine like frequency, but also the, how severe they are. Yeah. So is it 31 injections every three months or yes. like, <laughs> man, props <laughs> to the people who like to do that, <laughs> yeah. man. Wow. Yeah, so is that souls. like a, is that some sort of different Botox than what people would use for like cosmetic purposes? It's actually the same exact kind of Botox. They oh. have, there's a few okay. different kind of formulations, but they are all used for the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the same, same Botox. Wow. That's really cool. Really cool. Are migraines a potential indicator for any other underlying health issue? Absolutely. So if, if you have new onset migraines or, or severe headaches, um, specifically if you have uh, you know, a headache that w- you would consider to be the worst of your life, mm-hmm. you should seek emergent medical care because essentially if you've never had migraines or headaches before like this and you're having a new, uh, a new pain that you're not used to, um, it could potentially suggest something underlying, such as a brain bleed or mm-hmm. subarachnoid hemorrhage or intracranial bleed of some kind, and you really should seek emergent medical care. 
And a lot of times, you know, those tend to be, you know, they can they can be nothing. Right. They can also be something and something that we need to address. You know, if you're just starting to have migraines, maybe later on in life, over the age of 50, it's definitely worth, you know, getting those uh, looked at too because yeah. a big cause of, of new onset headaches in older people uh, is actually brain tumors. And, oh, okay. Yeah, so there's actually a list of kind of red flag headache symptoms, but I would say if you're having new headaches, you should probably bring it up at least to your primary care. And mm-hmm. if, if they have enough concern, they can they can refer to a neurologist. Yeah, for sure. Well, this has been really great. I had no idea there was so much involved, I guess, with a migraine. Uh, again, not ever, to my knowledge, had one. And I not, <laughs> knock on wood on that. But thanks so much for coming in today. Thank I really appreciate it. Me. And welcome yeah. to the new, to the area. Thank um, you so much. Jackson's a pretty... Pretty cool town, I think. And uh, so are you accepting new patients? Yes, I am accepting new patients. So I should be able to schedule new patients sometime in September. Awesome. And the phone number I was looking up is uh, 731-541-9490. That goes to West Tennessee Neuroscience. And uh, if you're out there and you're having headaches and uh, you've talked to your primary care physician and they're referring you, look no farther than West Tennessee Neuro. Uh, Dr. Cameron Michael, again, thanks so much for coming in today. This has been great. And this has been another episode of We Talk Health.